meditation in different ways in terms of what does it mean for our life. Because first, for me, when I think of meditation for life, I think that meditation is for all our life, so for the whole of our life. Because sometimes I think we see a little meditation either as an exotic activity, you know, I do this, I mean you could take up golf or badminton, but you take up meditation, something exotic, a little different to do. Otherwise we see meditation in a very goal-oriented way, that you sit in meditation to get certain experience or to get rid of certain problems, and there is this definite kind of feeling that, well, once I reach my goal, then I can do something else. And it seems to me that, in a way, meditation is more than an exotic activity. And I also feel that, in a way, meditation, I would say there is no final goal. But in a way, I mean, there are various goals, there are various results, there are various achievements various attainment, but in a way there is always something more. So I think we have to be a little careful when we meditate with this tendency to be sitting here in meditation and waiting for something to happen. Because I think a lot of the time when we sit in meditation that's what happens. I have the feeling there is a little person and we're just waiting for anything, a little calm or a little light, oh, waiting for something. And then a lot of the time, nothing happens. And so we kind of, well, if nothing happens, maybe I should take up something else. <coughs> and I think we have to be careful that, of course, when we meditate, there can be meditative state, it can be even what I would call mystical state. But these are generally rather brief. They come and they go. And it seems to me there is another essential aspect of meditation, which what I would call the unobvious aspect, what I would call actually the effect. The fact that at one level, of course, we have this tendency to judge our meditation. Oh, this was a good meditation. This was a bad meditation. It's interesting what is considered good or bad. Well, actually, for me, I don't think it matters so much if it's good or bad. Because actually, the fact that you do it, the fact that you stop, the fact that you try <coughs> to meditate, actually has an effect. And I would suggest that you notice at the end of each sitting or the end of each walking meditation that there is a little, there is a little kind of like, Relaxing, but not just in terms of relaxation, but there is a little releasing, a little kind of degrasping, the way we hold ourselves, the way we hold the world. So I would say to be careful that meditation is not just to get certain something, but actually it's a life path. It's kind of, in a way, for all our lives. And in that way, I would say, in a way, it is food for the spirit. It is part of what can sustain our life. And in the same way that we eat food, generally you don't think, well, today I'm not going to eat. I mean, unless there is some definite problem, generally you just do it because you need to feed yourself. This organism needs to be fed. 
And so I would say in the same way, there is this part of ourselves which is spiritual, meditative, and which we have to nourish. And so I would say meditation at that level, that's why it's for all our lives, because continuously, you know, we need to feed that part of ourselves, that spiritual, meditative part of ourselves. In a way, I would compare it a little to brushing one's teeth. Every morning, I presume, you must have been told since you are very young, you must brush your teeth. So every morning you brush your teeth. But when you brush your teeth, you don't suddenly say, wow, that was such a great brushing of teeth. I really want to do it again. You just do it. Because in a way you need to clean your teeth. I think in a way meditation is the same. But often we want something, we expect something. When I think actually it's as simple as food for the spirit or even as brushing one teeth. And also I think meditation for the whole of our life because in a way we're so multifaceted. We have so many different aspects to ourselves that I think although at times meditation seems to have really helped us in letting go of grasping at something or really being stuck and suddenly something goes and you feel much more free. I think often there's still in a little corner there is something which still is difficult. That sometimes it takes time for meditation to reach to this deep, blind part of ourselves. In a way, it is a lifelong journey. So really, I would say meditation for life is a learning process of learning opening, letting go, there is so much, you know, to work on. So, for me, I would say it's an exploration, that actually meditation is to explore ourselves, to explore our relationship to others, to explore the world. So there is also this, in a way, playful, joyful attitude with it. And I remember with my teacher, one of the teachers I had in Korea was called Master Kuzan, and because he was uh, in my monastery, then I got to know him quite well. I was his translator, I traveled with him. And twice we traveled uh, together in Europe, in America. And he was very reputed, he was very respected in Korea. And he was reputed to have had three awakenings. I mean, you would think one would be enough, but he had had three. So in a way, I mean, he really had meditated, and he would think, well, three awakening, can you know, stop doing that, you know, as you sit on your cushion, when can I stop doing this, this is difficult. And actually, to his last day of his life, he meditated, even though he had had this great attainment, great achievement, he continued. So when we were in trains, in planes, in buses, in boats, he would just fold his legs, and he would just sit in meditation anywhere, everywhere, anytime. And for me it was a great lesson to see that, that in a way, no matter how high the achievement, there's still something to practice, there's still something to be cultivated, there's still something to learn. Then also I would see meditation for life as, as I mentioned several times already, this recognition of life. But in a way, for me, meditation helps us to really recognize our life, the value, the beauty, the gift that is our life. 
also the, to appreciate life in this moment. That's what we often talk about being present, being coming to this moment, to see the preciousness of it. Because I think often we really take life for granted. We take ourselves for granted, we take others for granted. But my teacher always used to say that our life, in any given moment, rests upon a single breath, which means at any moment we can die. And so he used to say, you know, this is urgent to practice, to be aware, to be awake. This is, you know, a matter of urgency. Don't let the time just pass and be kind of spacing out. And in Korea, in all the meditation halls, you have a clock, which, I mean, Westerners used to really dislike that. And it's this big grandfather clock who make lots of noise. Was and just before the hour where, you know, the... The, the bell was going to be rung, you could hear <laughs> so you knew only one minute was left <laughs> and then the boom, boom, boom and so we kind of used to say, well this is a bit noisy but no, no, we had to have this clock because Master Kuzan used to say, look this clock is delivering a great Dharma discourse this is a great teaching each second, oh, one second gone of your life what have you done with it? so you really thought it was so vital for us to really appreciate, in a way, the life and really, you know, use it to the full in this moment. And at that level, I think it's interesting that often we are in whatever situation we are and we feel quite frustrated. We feel, often we have this feeling to, we want to be somewhere else. We don't want to be here. Somewhere else is better or is easier or is more worthwhile or is more interesting or whatever. And I think very much also this uh, recognition, this appreciation, I feel, is in a way this meditation helps us to this deep acceptance of what is going on. That in a way, there is nowhere else to be. Doesn't mean that we have, you know, if somebody is picking us up, you don't just say, well, I have to be there. Of course, you cannot move. But in a lot of time, we, you know, we have this amazing opportunity to be alive. And then we feel a little bored, a little frustrated, or whatever. When actually, I think meditation can really open us to, in a way, the beauty in any moment. And especially in this moment where we feel, well, not much is going on, you know, this is not really kind of, you know, great. And recently I had this experience in um, my little village where I live now. And you know, I share, uh, I share a house with my mother and my grandmother. And we live upstairs and they live downstairs. And my grandmother is 93 and is kind of, kind of uh, weakening a little, especially the brain. And so, time to time, my mother has to go and I have to kind of look after grandma. And, you know, I play dominoes and whatever. And this becomes my meditation, you know, playing dominoes and meditate as I play domino with her. But one day, I was playing with her and she was so anxious because she was seeing all these kind of branches on the ground, on the courtyard, and that really bothered her. And she really was weak, so she could not do it. She fallen off. So I said, okay, you stay here, I am going to sweep those branches. So I went to get the broom and I was sweeping those branches. 
And I realized there was nowhere else to be. There was nothing else to do. Just to swim these branches. Just to play domino. I mean, of course, I have a book to write and various other things to do, but I think often we have to, we put so much judgment on this is a worthwhile thing to do, this is, well, I have to do it. But at that moment, I realized that any moment is amazing by just being with it, by being really fully partaking of it, just sweeping, just playing dominoes. So anyway, that was my latest realization. <laughs> and I think in that too, in this meditation for life, there is space in our potential. There is, and in this space in our potential, also there is this possibility of cultivation. And I would say meditation is very much about cultivation. It's very much about, in a way, being gardeners of ourselves. Because in a way, we can see that there is amazing potential within us, but there is amazing potential for really negative stuff. There is also amazing potential for really positive, wonderful, compassionate, wise, etc. things. And I think, in a way, meditation is as its fruit in our life is a cultivation for the potential for what is positive for what is wise, for what is compassionate. And so in a way that's what we're doing. When we cultivate the meditation, in a way, we're not just sitting here, in a way, doing nothing. <laughs> not doing anything, but in that doing nothing, in some ways. We're also cultivating calm. And I think in a way calm is very vital to kind of allow us to have more space. I think this is what we like. We like space in our mind, in our emotions, in our physical pattern. We're so stuck, we're so fixed, that there's very little space, and because of that there's very little movement. And so I would say that meditation helps us to have more calm, more space, so that we can see conditions within ourselves and circumstances outside differently. We can have much more space around them. Also, I think it's a cultivation of openness. This, and with this openness, I think often there is nowadays this idea of, I am open. And so you cannot feel, oh, I'm going to give myself. You know, it's kind of this, which I think is a little, sometimes, off the top. What I mean by openness is that there is a meeting with the world, with ourselves, with others, which is engaged. So it's not kind of like a blind openness, anything goes, but it's kind of like a relational movement with ourselves, others, and the world. There is an openness, there is a kind of uh, openness to engagement, to relate, to respond. Also, I think with the meditation, and I have pointed out this already, there is this cultivation of brightness of this brightness that we can have. We can cultivate brightness, we can be illuminating, we can be illuminated, we can be this kind of light within ourselves, light in terms of being light, and light in terms of being luminous, that we can see things much more clearly. And through that, there can be creativity, there can be response, creative responsiveness. So that in a way, meditation is not this kind of this idea that 
one is a recluse, one is away from the world. And I would say, true meditation, on the contrary, is engaged, is creatively responsive, helps us to be more so, actually. And so in that way, what we've done so far, the concentration, helps us to develop the calm, the stillness, the spaciousness, so that within that spaciousness, it's not just spaciousness for its own sake, it's actually spaciousness so that we can see our mental, emotional, physical patterns, physical habits. And it's very interesting, because as you sit in meditation, you know, it's not just that, as I said before, the mind doesn't become empty. On the contrary, the mind becomes more clear. And then you can see what goes on in yourself. You can see your emotional patterning, habits. You can see your physical patterning and habits. You can see your mental patterning and habits. And what is interesting is that you can see both. Again, you can see the positive and you can see the negative. And in a way, with the meditation, then you can try to work with the negative, try to weaken it, try to see it clearly, try to dissolve its power. And with the positive, you can, in a way, develop it more, increase it, create conditions where it will be more there. And what is interesting within that with the patterning, especially the negative patterning, is that we see clearly what is it that obstructs us, what is it that blocks us, what is it that creates suffering. We can see that. We can see the pattern, the way within ourselves, the way we, in a way, encounter the world, we act to the world. And what is interesting is that through the meditative process, we dissolve, in a way, the accumulation around this pattern. Because actually all these are started from basic functioning. So the idea of meditation is not that we cannot disappear, that the person goes, but that we come back to this more basic functioning of the mind, we have a mind, we have a brain, we have a heart, we have emotions, we have a body, we have sensations. And then it becomes much more, in a way, direct. There is less of this accumulation of all these kind of accretion of mental, emotional, physical habits. And to me that's what is very interesting in the meditation, that it does not make us become either nothing or somebody else. It helps us to become more who we can be if we allow ourselves, if we in a way dissolve what in a way blocks it, what kind of in a way magnifies this negativity. And then there is the experiential investigation I mentioned already. And again, this brings this vividness, this clarity, this openness, this creativity. And again, again, for me, this is engagement, so that we engage with our experience. So meditation is not about becoming blank, which I think would be nothing to do with life, but it is very much to see and experience what is going on. And what is going on is that things are changing, things are conditioned, things come upon other things, things do not just appear of nowhere. If you feel sad, if you feel depressed, if you feel anxious, if you feel happy, 
It generally is not out of nothing. It's just generally something within you, something outside of you. So in a way, the experiential investigation is to, ha- is to make us encounter our condition and to make us see this more and more, more fully, to really see them as they, in a way, are, as they activate, as they appear, as they manifest. And also to see how they condition very much by what is outside. Because I think this is one of the mistakes often we make with the meditative path, the spiritual path, is that we think it is transcendent. So if it is transcendent, then one day, hopefully very soon, if not yesterday, we're going to transcend everything. And so we'll be above condition. So that's often people seem to think that we one day we'll be just floating above condition. And I don't think it is so. I think the meditation, the contrary, make us encounter, meet, engage with the condition inside and outside, and then helps us creatively to kind of deal with it in a more wise and compassionate way. I don't think it will, one day will be totally above it. It seems that to the last day of his life, the Buddha was subject to conditions. So I think it is the same for us, however great an attainment we can have. And I would say also the experiential investigation gives us choices. So I think one of the things that blocks us, that we keep repeating the same pattern, we keep acting, reacting in the same way. And why do we do this? Because we don't think we have a choice. Something happens, we just do this. And you know, meditation creates a space, and the investigation makes us think we have a choice. We have much more choice than we think we have. But in a way, we need to create that space in order to have that choice. So I would say that in a way, together, the concentration and the experiential investigation create, develop, uncover what I would say creative awareness. I would say meditation for life is about developing, uncovering, creating, creative awareness. So it's not a blank awareness, it's very participative, creative, engaged awareness. And often there is this uh, two examples for concentration and uh, experiential investigation uh, as an image. For the concentration, the image is of a glass with muddy water. If you have a glass with muddy water and you shake it, then you can't see through it. It's totally opaque. You can't see anything. If you just let the glass still and don't move it, then the mud goes to the bottom. <coughs> and then the water is very clear. You can see through it. So it is often concentration is compared to that. And experiential investigation often is compared to when you're in a darkened room and in a corner you see something which looks like a snake. And straight away you're very afraid, very anxious. But if the room is brightened, then you can see it's just a coil of rope. So in a way, something that was there you misapprehended, now you can see much more clearly. And then the fear can go, the anxiety can go, and you can use what you see in a different way. And you know, for me, when, what become, when it becomes apparent that creative awareness, when I, when I was in Korea, 
We used to do this uh, three-month retreat of meditation. We used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, go to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock. So you see, you have easy schedule. <laughs> get up at uh, 6.30. And uh, so during one of these retreats, and suddenly I was sitting, and I think that to me what, you know, when we see something, it's kind of like a seeing which is also experiential. It actually reverberates through the whole body-mind complex. And so as I was, I don't know, maybe it was we have been doing this, this meditation for a month or something, and suddenly as I was sitting here doing whatever I was doing, I suddenly saw so clearly something I had never seen before, is that I was totally self-centered, that I would say 98% of what I did was for my self-interest, was for my own benefit. But until that very moment, I was totally persuaded I was one of the most compassionate persons in the universe. I was an anarchist, I was children, I had been politically engaged, I wanted to save the world, I would have given my shirt to anybody who asked for it. And so I had this, in a way, interesting image of myself as very compassionate. I had lots of time for people doing things for others. But as I sat in meditation, I realized it was not so. There was this amazing, strong self-centeredness, this amazing self-interest. Most of what I did was for myself, nobody else. But what was interesting is that seeing that was not dawa. I just did not think, God, this is terrible. I thought, isn't it funny? I thought it was very funny, you know? Because then at the same moment, I realized, I looked, I was with four the women who were kind of in this small room all together practicing, and I realized all of them too were totally self-interested. So, if our self-interest coincided, we were quite happy. If they did not, it was a bit difficult. And I thought it was so funny. Here we were all like kind of little butterflies, kind of trying to get our nectar for ourselves, you know, and floating about the others. And I thought it was kind of a great thing to see. It was not dour, it was not sad, it was not depressive. I thought, ah, this is the way it is. And I think that's what the meditation, the creative awareness is about, actually. Ah, this is the way it is. This is what really is going on. And at that level, what I saw, I think partly is a basic biological mechanism. And I think meditation is not about getting rid of that. That this organism wants survival. Biologically, I am created to survive. And I think there is this basic biological functioning. And I think we have to be careful of not seeing thinking that meditation is going to make us go beyond that. I don't think we will transcend our basic biological functioning. That's what we're made of. But I think what we can work with is with the creation around this basic biological desire for survival. Because since we were born, it's just as expanded into this kind of really self-centered, kind of quite egoistic. If you see children, I have a, a niece I'm very fond of, but whew, I can see the manifestation 
omnipotent patterning already. Me. I want. I desire. Now. <laughs> no way. And it's very, I mean, you can see all these kind of, you know, how it kind of expands. And so in a way, I think that's why it's a lifelong journey. Because you see, I mean, I saw this self-centeredness, and now, I mean, things that maybe was, I don't know, 20 years ago, I'm still working on it. But I think, in a way, we work on it at so many different levels. There is obvious levels, and there is a more subtle level. And to me, this is what is fun about the meditation, is to see things, and then what can I do about this? How can I work with this? How can I learn from this? How can I, in a way, play with this? So in a way, that's what I think the creative awareness is about. And so I would say that, in a way, this creative awareness, the meditation process, actually is about two things as its effect of leading to acceptance and transformation. For me, that's what I realized with this experience, is that meditation is about acceptance. It's about accepting, seeing fully what we are. But in a way, when we meditate, we become more and more aware of who we are. There is this kind of expansion of awareness, of knowing, and of acceptance. Because there is this acceptance is a soft acceptance. I think that's what it was like. That's why I kind of, I thought it was funny, and I kind of was not too worried about it in a way. So well, this is it. That's what I have to work with. So I think in the meditation, there is first this basic process of acceptance. And I would say this is in a way one of the gifts of meditation, is acceptance of ourselves, of the condition, of what is going on. And only then, only there is this acceptance, then there can be transformation. Because I don't think there can be transformation if you don't see what's going on, if you don't accept what's going on first. So in a way, there is these two movements with this creative awareness, this meditation process, this acceptance, this seeing clearly. And then, from that, you can start to work with it, to creatively engage. What can I do about this? How is this working? How is this manifesting? How is this causing suffering? Because I think this is the main point, to myself and to others. a little just again with the theme of meditation and daily living of how in very practical ways how can I use this creative awareness in my daily life and I will just look at three in brief terms in three subjects work relationship and being in nature work very interesting to bring and I think this is what you could do during this uh, retreat when you have an hour of work that you'll be washing the dishes, gardening or uh, vacuum cleaning or whatever is to in a way bring creative awareness to working because I think we have a certain patterning with work that it be paid work, unpaid work there is a certain tendency we have and I think it's interesting to look when we work when we think we're working, not playing but working, doing a task, we have a responsibility to do something, what do we do? Sometimes 
we work, and actually we are what I would call goal-oriented. We work, but we already see it, and we're already doing something else in our mind. Very interesting. So you're working, but you're actually not there. You're already ahead of yourself. Or you're working, and actually you're not there, because it's possibly mechanical, you're thinking of something else. So again, you're not really totally present to your work. And I think from that, you cannot really totally, in a way, accept and transform it. And then there is another thing we can have, is that we work. Actually, we work. Maybe the people who got the toilet cleaning possibly are back. I don't know. To think, oh, this is not a good work. This is not worthwhile. This is not recognized. I mean, it's often. When I remember when I came back from being 10 years a nun, where I was kind of slowly advanced a little the ladder of the honor. I mean, I can become a translator and everything, so I became somewhat slightly, very slightly important, slightly, not very much. And then I come back to England and I have no qualification, nothing. And so what can I do to earn my daily bread since I'm not to learn anymore? So I have to support myself. And if somebody comes to me and says, there is this house cleaning job, do you want it? And I was a sinking feeling, oh, cleaning, oh. I mean, I did not like it anyway. And it was not very kind of, you know, up there, cleaning <coughs> the job. But kind of, you know, wisdom reasserted itself since I had to earn my daily bread, then that was the only thing available. So I said, okay, I'll be a house cleaner. And so I was a house cleaner for 10 years. And actually it was great experience. I had great insight when I was doing my house cleaning. And also to realize how it really took away that feeling of this is not worth it. This is worth it. This is a work which is worth, which is not. When if you just do it because it is not causing suffering to anybody, if it's somebody you can do well, then you just do it. And actually I got, after a while, great satisfaction from washing bathtub and toilets and the like. And there was just this meditative attitude with it. And so I think that's why it's interesting to bring creative awareness to work. How do I work? What kind of things run around my mind? What what is it that, in a way, takes away from, in a way, just being fully in it? And I think this kind of quiet pleasure of working, of being activated. Because I think this is part, in meditation we can stop and be, but we also need to do, to act, to create. And I think that's where work is kind of quite important. So how can we bring creative awareness, meditation? Then there is creative awareness in relationships. And I think this is very, again, vital. Because often people think, well, meditation, spirituality, there should not be any attachment, and da 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 da, da. But I don't think so. I think, I mean, to be, we are in relationship, inescapably. As soon as we're born, we are in relationship. We have our family, our friends, our partners, our children. And so how are we in our relationship? What goes on when we relate to somebody? Especially somebody we love, somebody we, we, we like to be with. How is that relationship? And what is interesting is to notice that often there is this thing going on, that there is a people, as they would say, they are, and then alongside, we are there with, as we want them to be. Interesting. How, 
you relate to the person who is right here, now, as they are, or do you relate to the person as you want them to be, and since they're not like this, then it becomes problematic. I had a friend who was, uh, I mean, two good friends, and they got together, and we thought they had everything to go for them. But it was very prickly, relationship, very difficult, and lots of kind of arguments. And so after a little while, I saw that, I saw one of them, and I said, oh, how is it going? He said, oh, fine. I said, what happened? He said, oh, I decided not to change him anymore. So, and just to take him as he was. And for me, in a way, meditation, creative awareness in a relationship, is so much about accepting the person fully. I think this is the greatest gift we can give to somebody. To accept them as they are, and not say, I like you, but, if you cannot, you know, not this, not that, or improve this, or improve that. How does it feel when somebody really loves you, as you are, not wanting to tinker with you, <laughs> except the whole bit? It's amazing. We feel, wow, we feel accepted. We feel appreciated. I think that's what love really is about. Acceptance, appreciation. And then from there, you can develop trust. And then it's very interesting, because if you develop trust, then you can work with the difficulty. But of course, there are things which don't work. You don't see eye to eye on something. With my husband, it's funny. He's a meditator too, he's a teacher too, and everything. And it's funny because when things get a little kind of, uh, when we travel, and we often travel, and when it gets a little difficult, he slows down, and I speed up. And so there is kind of this kind of slight problem. I want to speed up, and then it slows down. I mean, this it just goes together like that. And now that I'm aware of it, then I can play with it. We can have fun with it. I can say, ah, slowing down, speeding up, and then trying to kind of, in a way, see how we can kind of manage that, bring some space. <coughs> and it's quite fun, actually, to, to work with that, to see the tendency and how we can creatively work with that. And then there is creative awareness in nature. And I think this is something you could do here. I mean, because I presume, I mean, you are English, so a little tougher than you is from the south of France, and kind of, I've not got out of the house yet. I might, one of these days. <laughs> but maybe some of you have gone outside. Maybe some of you, during the lunchtime, lunch period, after lunch, have gone for a long walk. And it's interesting that generally we like to be in nature. Because the fresh air, the nature, is wonderful, isn't it? But when we go and walk in nature, what do we do? Very interesting. You go to the most beautiful place. You know, there is this pure, And I remember once I was walking on the coastal path and it was beautiful sun and it was, it was beautiful. And what I was doing, I was thinking of something else. So I was walking, but I was not there. And suddenly I said, hey, wait a minute, be here, look. And what was interesting in that moment of creative awareness is that I looked, <coughs> and everything was shimmering. <coughs> the blue of the flower was so much brighter, the blue of the sea was so much sparkling. And I thought, gosh, this is strange. Am I having a mystical experience here? Something, but actually I realized 
It was none of that. It was just actually being there, <coughs> fully, totally. And I think often what happens is that there is this kind of blind force, there is this kind of like opaqueness around us because we are not fully here, we're not fully with a person, fully with nature, or fully with <coughs> ourselves. And so it becomes opaque. And then with the creative awareness, when you say, hey, be here, look, that everything becomes so much brighter, but not because the creative awareness is a magical trick, but because the opaqueness has gone. <coughs> so in a way, that's what I would encourage you to do during these retreats, the, the, the three days that remain is, how can I already bring this creative awareness in the work, in the walking in nature, in just being here, this kind of meeting fully what is going on, and then also playing with it, inquiring into it, being creative with it. So, this is what I wanted to say today. Thank you. Are there any questions, comments, whatever? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.